0: Hello and welcome to the Raising Men Show, and I'm your host, Craig Carlisle. Super Tuesdays, but you know, this Tuesday, Chatham, is a much better... I don't want to say better, but it's different. It's the end of 2019. It's New Year's Eve. And, I, you know, I've had the distinct blessing and pleasure this year to actually been able to be on air and have a show, bring a message, bring a word, whatever you want to call it. I mean, let's just get real. I've been able to... Just share what's on my heart, share what the Lord brought out and has done and has put in my life, and before Christmas, now again before New Year's, and that's that's an amazing thing to really sit back and reflect on. And I remember several years ago I was able to put a show on before New on before Christmas, and that was just an an awesome pleasure. But just to be able to have done it twice in two weeks at the end of the year, end of a decade, I mean. I, another friend just sent me a text before I started recording this, this episode and didn't really think about it being the end of a decade. I mean, 10 years have already gone back, past. I remember when we were getting prepared for just the year 2000 and the, the new millennium, we were talking, oh my gosh, you know, you know, try to get bottled water and put food away and stockpile cash just in case the ATMs and the gas pumps didn't work and things like that. And it's a whole different shift in where things were you know 20 years ago and here we are in, into 2019 and getting ready for 2020 and i you, you know i've heard a lot of people talking about 2020 being you know this is the year of vision because you know if you have 2020 vision you've got perfect vision you can you're able to see clear and i really that's one thing i do want for the for the new year i want a clarity about god i want that 2020 vision about what god has for me and what he has for my family and I want that direction right away. I don't want to have to think and and wonder is that you God over there, or God, is that you over there, or is that just my selfish desire here or there? And I don't care what it is selfish about if it's about a person, a place, or thing i don't I don't want to be selfish about that now, and i I want to get very more excited about and passionate about those adjectives, those things of God that describe his presence and his person in my life and for where I'm going and and I'm excited about where he's taking us I have no idea where I'm going but I just believe that the God, that the Lord has something special for me in my life and I I want to believe the same for you too that he's got something special for you and for where you're going and if but I believe the only way we know and you know where the Lord has you going is that you have to listen you got to spend some time in his presence you got to spend some moments not you know, not talking so much. Okay, yeah. So I'm on the radio and I'm, I'm talking to you now. And I was just editing a prior broadcast, and I was like, man, I had this this empty space at the end. I need to fill it with something. I need to put a commercial in there, or put a bumper in there, and talk about the show. And but in reality, there's so many times when we just don't need to say anything. I'm trying to realize and remind myself that less is more in so many cases so many times when I just let my mind just go. And if you really try to take yourself out of yourself for a moment and just think about what you're doing, and my mind is going a thousand thoughts a moment, just trying to ask God for this or think about that and getting prepared for this, getting prepared for that. So much so that when I, before I even started preparing for this show today, my, my afternoon had kind of gotten sideways. I don't even know if it was the afternoon. I just know that the day had kind of shifted for me. And I I really wasn't paying attention, attention to be truthful because we're in the whole truth and transparency series right now. And this is going to be week f- four. No, I take it back. This is week five, actually. And so in this series... I'm I'm trying to be as truthful and as transparent as I can about myself because it begins with me and it ends with me in terms of my own transparency, just like it begins and ends with each one of you and your transparency and your truth about who you are as a person. So, this week's topic is called "Give Me a Break," and it's key because we we get so frustrated in our with ourselves and other people, and we some of us just want to change so much and we want to do so many things that. It just becomes one large tension headache after another, one more large frustration after another, one hand trembling moment or hand wringing moment after another, when we're just so concerned about what's next and how come I didn't do that or how come she didn't say this or how come he didn't say that and how come they didn't give me the job or how come they didn't do this and how come, how come and why God and why not God? And there's just some moments where we just need I'll just say it like I want to say it. I just need to shut up. I find myself getting frustrated and restless when people are asking me for things all the time. And then some people don't even ask me for things all the time. But there's a, the Lord has given me, I don't know if, I, if discernment is the right word to use in this particular case, but the Lord has given me, a. I don't know, maybe it's myself that I've just developed a heightened sense of, oh my gosh, they're going to ask for something. Because there's a point where people that I've met and know and, and co- in a, interact with a lot, they they don't ask how I'm doing a lot. They don't check on me. They don't see how I am doing as a person, as a father, as a man, but they spend so much time asking for, can I get this? Can you do this? Can you come here? Can you go there? Can you, can you, can you, can you, can you? And when my kids do it, I, I have to apologize to them because- one of my sons did this to me a couple of days ago, and I can always tell when they're going to come out and do something, because my office is in out in the garage area. I've got a single-car garage, and that's where my office is. And when they come out there, they always want something. It's not too often, if ever, when they come out to see dear old dad and to see how I'm doing, how my day is. In fact, well, there's the funny part is when they do ask me how I'm doing, it's usually they just ask me that five minutes before when they were getting ready to ask me for something else, and, and here they are again. Hey, dad, how are you? And I was like, well, I'm the same as I was when you asked me that an hour ago or 20 minutes ago or 15 minutes ago, but thanks for asking. I think, what do you want? And, and it's always followed, can I have, can I have? And it just becomes like, oh, can you just not ask? But can you imagine if God responded that way? Because we are always asking for something. At least I know I am. And I have for so many years. God, and I'm sorry. Please forgive me for always asking, have my palms facing towards heaven, in a, in a gimme, gimme. Can I have, like, Lord? Can you can you open that window, heaven, again, and pour out a blessing? Because the last blessing wasn't good enough. Can can you can you feel my hand again? Can you give me that blessing over there that jo, that Joe has? Can I have that blessing over there that Sally has? Can I can I have that blessing over there that you know Renee has? Can I get that blessing over there that, oh. and I know God doesn't do this. I, I wouldn't imagine he does that. Can you imagine God just rubbing his forehead, just shaking it back and forth with his forehead while he's trying to rub his forehead at the same time going, man, eh. these ridiculous stiff necked people, I just gave you, I'm giving you the air that you're using to breathe and form the words to ask me for something and you can't even be thankful for what I've already given you. God, I'm thankful for what you've given, and for what you're giving. And I think most of all, God, I'm thankful for what you gave. 2020 vision of God is going to be so much clearer now because we've got to get to the point, and I know I've gotten to the point where, and I know as you say it becomes a written part of the archive. The enemy hears it then. But God, you've already given me anything, everything I can imagine. So anything else you do is gravy over the top. So I know you're not going to stop giving, God. So whatever you're doing forward with this next decade or this next year or this next day, because I can't, I can't project out how much farther you're going to give me, God, because only you know how much time that I have left. So I... I have to take the day that you've given me as, as just enough to do exactly enough of what I'm supposed to do for you for right now. I can't be concerned with what you're going to do later in life, God. I have to be concerned with what you're doing right now. So, God, right now, I, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you have already done. And, God, I thank you in advance for what you're going to do, not just for me. Not just for my family, God, but for every person that hears or reads something that I've said or done, so hears what I've said or read what I've written. Because our, you, the Word says that our, that our words have power, that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And I know the, that the written word is not the power of the tongue, but I get it. it's an inspired word put to paper so that when else someone else's tongue is powerful and reads it, that their voice, their words, their tongue has power. So I'm excited for that. So, how does that relate to giving a break? Well, let's let's turn it around. Let's, let's let's flip it early in the in in the whole series, in the whole day, in the whole week. Some of us have spent the last decade or two decades or however many decades it's taken. Some of us have taken so much time beating ourselves to death. We're not good enough. We're not pretty enough. I was just fretting over myself today. I would realized I. would found a hole in some of my favorite jeans in a spot that you can't really wear outside because there's some holes that are flattering and some holes that are not. And I was like, what is this extra? What is this poking through this hole here? It was me. It's me poking through that hole. And it ain't a flattering part of me that's poking through that hole. And I began to feel some kind of way. And I thought, well, yeah, you can change that. Eat better, walk more go to the gym, eat better, walk more, go to the gym, drink more water. But it takes time. But if I put that, that, that frustration about my physical appearance on top of I don't have enough time to do to go to the gym, on top of the my workplace is, is so busy I can't get it, on top of the fact that I've got to be a father and be everywhere where my kids want to be and, and on top of the fact i got to get dinner ready for tonight, on top of the it becomes so frustrating when the reality is we should just be thankful for what we can do. For the breath that we've been able to take and breathe and use just to do enough to make that list. Some of us get so f- caught up and frustrated and angry with the whole situation of our life and where we are that we forget to enjoy the journey. I found myself Measuring myself and wanting to be or measure myself against other people and wanting to be where they are. And I was driving you know, running errands or something for work or whatever. And I, the Lord gave me a word, spoke to me. And it was just very clear that if I compare my journey to where someone else is in their life, I'm going to miss the blessings that God has given me in the process of taking me on my journey. I don't need to miss anything else in my life. I can't look at where I am in my life in my journey and compare to anybody that's farther along in their journey than I am because they started before me or even if they started after me my situation is unique it's it's mine and mine alone. I can't I can't say that I'm in this place just because I'm behind her because of my kids. I can't blame them. I can't. I can't blame the fact that my wife died because I'm not father along in life. Because I wasn't even on radio. I wasn't even thinking about radio when my wife was alive. So I can't blame it on her. I can't say, well, she held me back. I was doing records and record company stuff, Christian music back in the day. I was producing. I was writing. I was engineering and mixing live and studio. I was doing that back then. And I can't say that I'm not doing that now because she. We got married. I can't say we're not doing that now because. She's gone. I can say that I'm not doing that now because it's not what the Lord has for me to do. But what's key is I'm doing now what the Lord wants me to do now in this season in the Raising Men Show right here on WKBY 1080 AM out of Chatham, Virginia. What up, Chatham? And those of you who are not able to listen to our broadcast on the air, you can always listen to our archives on the com. That's dot com. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is that season that the Lord has for me to be in this very spot, in this very room, delivering these very words on a new year, start of a new decade, end of another decade, to be excited and to be thankful for what I've got, for what the Lord has given me. Not worried about what I've lost. I'm tired of worrying about the losses. I understand that, you know, winning the championships in, in, in any worldly sense is all about the wins. And we talk about in corporate America about the wins. And no one wants to hear about the losses. No one wants to hear about a lost job, a lost dog, lost spouse, lost whatever. But we learn more in a loss than we do in a win. I've lost enough that I probably ought to win everything coming towards me because I've got so much learning. I, I, I know exactly what I did wrong before, what I didn't say, what I did say, what I should have said, and what I'm going to say. Yeah, I get it. Spent a lot of time, you know, dealing with my flags a couple weeks ago, episodes, and what I need to deal with in relationship with people, whether it be you know, romantic relationships or just interpersonal relationships with, with family, friends, or coworkers. Having the ability to give myself a break is so key. Yeah, I mean, there's been other commercials talking about, give me a break, give me a piece of that Kit Kat bar. And even when they, they had that, you could see them in the commercial. Their faces, for those of you who've seen the commercial, they want to make you believe that you take a bite of that Kit Kat bar as you're giving yourself a break. is going to make you smile. And then that whole chocolate taste when it hits the tip of your tongue is going to make you just want to relax and put your shoulders back and make you feel some kind of way about whatever. But chocolate is not going to do that but for a little while. Because when you get so heavy after eating all that chocolate over and over your shoulders, that can be the only thing that's going to be rolling back and it's going to be your eyes rolling back and sleep and your belly's going to be rolling back over your belt and everything else is going to be having a hard time rolling you out of that place where you're living because you're eating too much of that wrong stuff. We need to get back into what the Lord has for us as a temple of God to be treated rightly and well. We're going to be right back on the Raising Men Show and right here at WKBY 1080 AM. And we're going to continue talking about giving ourselves a break, giving us some grace and some things to go on into 2020. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey everyone. My name is Eric Tomlinson with the Tomlinson Group at Rancon Real Estate, where we design the sale of your home around you. With our nationwide network of agents, you and your family are at the center of every decision, conversation, and step of the journey to your next home. From hello to congratulations, selling your home with the Tomlinson Group at Rancon Real Estate is designed to both learn and surpass your expectations. Call me today at 951-970-6727 so we at the Tomlinson Group can begin surpassing your expectations today. We wanna work for you. How do you avoid pitfalls that will disrupt your life? My office is very good with helping families, protecting assets, building wealth, college flexible plans, tax-free retirement, and so much more. I am john Treese Wells with World Financial Group, licensed to help million-dollar families, businesses, and everyone in between. You can contact me at 951-757-4202. Or email me at jw.nofamilyleftbehind at gmail.com. I'm about your family. And welcome back to the Raising Men Show. And again, I'm your host, Craig Carlisle. I tell you, I love Tuesdays. I didn't say that too much at the top of the show, but I've got to make it a point to say it. I love Tuesdays. Mondays, not so much. Long weekends, short times. Not much Sabbath right now, but I'm, I'm speaking to the existence that, that Sabbath is coming for me with consecutive days off and Sabbath is coming for me with more time with my family. Sabbath is coming for me and my family where we can actually enjoy, you know, worship and worshiping together and worshiping in a place that that is that is feeding us in the new area where we're living. We haven't found a, a home that we're calling home for church at the moment, but we're beginning that search to seek out the end of my sabbatical is over. I told the Lord that I needed six months to kind of get myself Kind of set feet on the ground and and back into things, and so that time is up. There's no more time to me for me to be sitting around waiting and snacking on the word of God, and sitting and uh, studying studying on my own, but to be fed. And it's that it's that time, but in the, the same way, I'm gonna I'm giving myself a break in that as well because I used to even beat myself up about that By not having a church and having served. I'm, I'm that guy that has been a tech arts director in a church for. Or, or or assisting a tech arts director for probably the better part of fourteen years, and that's on top of working a full time job somewhere. So that's full and fart part time, and and having children on the side and trying to be a, an active dad in their li- in a kids' lives and trying to, you know, do something actively in my marriage for fun. And now I find that the, some of those same behaviors are still kind of stacked up, where I'm really just doing, doing, doing. I'm trying to be about the things of God and not being about what God wants me to do. And I'm changing that with the, my vision for 2020. And I'm encouraging you all too to to do the same thing and spend time with God. And I'm going to get a chance to get away with all my sons and be able to you know some of my days not going to change. I'll still have to work some of those days that were gone, but the other moments I'm going to definitely enjoy family, going to enjoy friends, going to enjoy away, gonna enjoy the difference, gonna enjoy the weights being off. Because when you get to the point when you really allow yourself to breathe deeply, when you allow yourself to take the weights off, when you allow yourself to give yourself a break and not be so ratchet on yourself, it's it's like a breath of fresh air. And some of us have gotten so used to the negative, gotten so used to the loss, gotten so used to Being without, being so used to being so so paranoid, being so used to being without, so used to being talked about, so used to being lied on, so used to being without, that when you're not into the situation, you start looking for it or making it up or being unsettled because you're not quite sure what's going on. I've had to, the Lord had to do a lot of speaking to me, a lot, because I'm telling you, my mind goes everywhere. And I... And I'm the chief person that, that beats up on myself and, and tries to disqualify who I am. But one of the things the Lord was reminding me is that I don't have to be all things to everyone. I just have to be obedient to him. So for those I've had to say no to and distance myself from, protect myself and my family from, I don't, I don't apologize for it. I used to. I used to think of Phil some kind of way because i I wasn't in community or contact or fellowship with a lot of people. In fact, I've had people come at me with, "Hey, we need to talk about this. We need to do this." And at this particular moment, I'm I'm open to hear and and, and share and exchange of ideas with everyone and anyone about a variety of topics. Some topics are just, you know, just don't talk about them. That's not necessary. But when it comes to to community, when it comes to protecting myself and my family, when it comes to being obedient to God, when it comes to the things of God, yeah, those are conversations that I'm am free to have, and it's say it's okay to protect yourself from toxic people, from toxic situations, from toxic places. We need to do that because the Lord gives us wisdom and discernment to know who was good for you, who was not, or I should say, who was good for you, who's good without you, because if we don't. Ask the Lord for what a person's role is in our life. They're liable to be in our life for the wrong thing. We may think that person is in our life for romance or business or a lifetime of friendship. Well, that person may not even be qualified to be called a friend. I mean, the word speaks clearly that no greater love a man have that he lay his life down for his friend. It doesn't say child father, mother, sister, brother, it says friend, someone that we chose, that chose us, that that's in community with us, someone that's, that we can be transparent and open with, because you can't be transparent with everyone. You should be truthful with everyone, yes, but the transparency level that you give some people that's... It's not always a great place to be. You need to, we need to live our, our lives truthful and transparent before God. Yes, truthful and transparent parent, towards ourselves. Yes. But when it comes to people who don't need to know your business, they don't need to get involved in everything because they're not out for the good of, for our good. They may be out for their good. So I'm praying more for 2020 to be discerning of who needs to be there. Who should I guard my heart from versus who should I open my heart to? spent a lot of time in the last decade or less not wanting to look back, especially after my wife died. And I was so busy that as the years went on. I was so afraid to look back that I would, I told my kids, we're not going to get stuck in that day when she died. We're going to keep moving forward. And so I got a little religious with it, holding not looking back. And I, the enemy wanted to make me believe that Lot's wife would be my Lot because if I look back for where we came from, I would be stuck where we were. But the context of that scripture is that they were coming out of a city that was destined to be destroyed. The two angels had come to town and they were looking like regular men and they were taken into the house. They were saying, you know, they they were made, they were protected because the, the town had become so corrupt, so perverse that, that the other men of the town and the other women of the town, they wanted to come into the house and have sex with those men, guys that they didn't even know. They just thought that, I guess, in their eyes, that either they were handsome in their eyes or maybe because they were new in their eyes that they wanted to come in and they wanted to sleep with them. And they were... You know, Lot brought them into the house and was like, no, uh, you need to come inside. Come on, let's just go. Let's be protected. So much so, the scripture wasn't even saying that, that Lot knew exactly who these men were, but Lot was discerning enough to the spirit of the Lord that he knew that something was different about these two men. He needed to bring them inside and protect them. Oddly enough, Lot even offered his daughters to the crowd and said, hey, no, tell you what, you can have my daughters. You can't have these two. You can have my daughters, but you just can't have them. And I thought that was kind of foul. But that's the way the story goes. And you learn more in the story as you go in and read it yourself. But um, I just think it's interesting how Lot knew enough to protect them. And those two angels were, or two men that were, as as angels at that point, or I just say like two men that were angels, they told Lotus to take your family away from this place and you kind of have a period of time when you get to wherever you're going, we're going to then destroy the city. But the, the angels gave Lot a command. They said, you know, don't look back. Because if you look, you know, just don't look back. You just need to keep moving forward. Don't turn around and look back towards the city. And in the, and in the story... Everybody that was traveling with Lot was named, their name was given, but Lot's wife. And I always wondered, why wasn't Lot's wife's name given? I don't know why, but for whatever reason, she wasn't named. And at some point, it doesn't really say where in the journey away, she turned back. It just said that she does. As they were getting away, she turned. And she looked back towards the city. And she became a pillar of salt. So long I, I lived and I kept thinking myself, I don't want to be Lot's wife. I don't, don't want to be the unnamed pillar or the unnamed statue. I don't want to be you know, the Carlisle's father. I don't want to be You know, Shane or Kane or Ryan's dad. I I mean, I do want to be their dad. I I don't want to be named just that being it for me. I don't want to be that statue that they think is this compilation of salt and rocks standing over this dry riverbed where just outside of the city where Sodom and Gomorrah used to be. I want to be the one that makes it into our promised land. I want to be the one that that makes a difference in people's lives, more so just not a negative difference as to, oh, don't be like that guy. I want to be someone that they can say, you know, I got my hope from him because of something he did. I I want to get my hope from him because he didn't give up. Or when he gave up, he got right back up because it's okay to give up as long as we get up. And so I needed to, 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 to have my view shifted from, What Lot's wife represented in my life, Lot's wife represented a longing to go back into what that town was doing, a longing to go back into a city that was familiar, longing to go back to a place that was thought to be comfortable and something was there that we longed for. I often remind myself when I get to those moments when I don't. When I want to look back, I keep telling the kids and myself, there's nothing to go back, guys. When we lost our house in few years ago, I kept saying, well, we can't go back there. There's nothing to go back to. But in a lot, a lot of cases, I, I've got to be mindful that there is a lot to go back to in the cities where we've lived. Because there's people that we know that's there. There's great people that have done a lot of great things with us and for us, there's a lot of Memories we have there, we can go back there and look for where the Lord has take, brought us from, from a situation of being just destroyed emotionally and physically and mentally. We can look back and go, Lord, look how far that you brought me. Because the old folks of the church used to say, Lord, I, as I look back over my life, I can see where you've brought me from, and God, I can see that my changes come. I can be excited, but I have have just now gotten to that point after seven, coming up on seven years of being able to look back and not long to be back there. There are several memories that are back there for me. There's some good, there's some bad, there's some ugly, none of which I want to go back to and relive my life. I'm not stuck in that time period because the best is yet to come. Yes, there's like that song, the best. Yes, the best is yet to come for me and for you. So as you're looking back over your life, you, you can't look back longing to be back there when I, when I used to have that fancy car back in the day in, the, in that certain time period when I used to wear the same shirt that I'm still wearing from that time. No, I, I want to go, I want to look back there and see that we've made it this far by faith. And, I, and it used to be, you known him in the church, I've, made it, I've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord. Trusting in his holy word, and it goes on and on and on. But I didn't get it as a kid when I was sitting in Bethel Amy Church on 3085 K Street in San Diego on prayer meeting nights. And what Steve Harvey used to say, little people night and old people night, and all of those nights meetings and stuff. I, I hated those nights, I didn't want to be there. But I was the youngest one, where was I going to be? But being in that time has helped me to this point now when I understand when Mrs. Miss Ashley would stand up and she would pray and she would tell what the Lord has done for her. I understand now when Mr. Ponder used to stand up, Mervyn Johnson used to stand up and, oh, I remember them days when we moved to Walker Chapel in Oceanside. I, Remember when Mr. Brother Bailey used to stand up and talk and Fanny Hogan used to stand up and talk and on and on the, the old folks of the church used to stand up and say, giving honor and praise and glory to God as the head of my life. And they used to share what the Lord had done for them because they had given themselves a break. They had given themselves grace to be able to stop and thank God for where they've been, where they've come from. So God, I thank you for where I've come from where you've brought me from. I was that guy that shortly after my wife died and people started to cut themselves away and I started to cut them away even faster. I used to say, I don't want anybody to hurt me anymore because I was so broken. I used to think I'm just going to dig a moat around my house and and make the drawbridge short and drink it up so I don't have to raise it up so I don't have to have anybody come in. So no one's going to hurt me like that anymore. When in reality, you can't be in community with people like that and not get hurt In <laughs> my house. I can't even live in my house with my kids and not get hurt because that's, that's what we do. And I've heard a saying that hurt people, hurt people. And I, and I get it that that has a context that does apply, but it does not apply for every context in every situation. There's just a situation, the context in my case where an, I'm in the house with my kids that my my kids are learning and growing. They hurt each other and hurt me just because of things that they want to do and say sometimes without taking a moment to think about the impact, count the cost at all. I can't hold that against them. I just have to think and understand and swallow it. I've got to be the adult in the relationship and remind myself that they didn't mean it that way. Because if they meant it that way, we'd have a whole different problem. We've got to take time to look back over our lives to see where we've come from so that when we're in the moments of moving forward and people hurt us now, it's not the same person that hurt us then. One of the things I've been learning from my studies in grief, whether it be grief share or just some studies on my own or the book I'm writing, uh... I'm just trying to get an understanding as to what grief and pain looks like then versus what it looks like now if I put the if I put all the dots together because I'm an engineer by, by degree so if i if I problem solve it and I put what pain feels like and what what my body interprets pain and what my mind interprets pain, to me grief, disappointment, loss they all look and feel the same and it doesn't matter if it was loss on my spouse or loss of a friendship, loss of a relationship, loss of a job, loss of a house, they have similarities to each other. So when I when I felt those for the first real times in my life, it was they all felt the same. So whether I lost a relationship or lost a loved one, lost a job, lost a car, lost a house, whatever I was losing, they had the same touchy feel. So I got to the point where even in my new relationships with people when I was having interactions and losing those friendships, my body was like, Wait a minute, that person's acting just like the person you lost, just like the person you were out of fellowship with, just like the person that that hurt you last time. But now what I've got to do, I've got to take the time to understand and realize and discern the fact that that trouble, that pain that I'm feeling, that when this new person hurt me, they may feel the same, but the situation, the context is not. Context is not. I've got to give myself a break. I've got to extend some grace to understand that that person is acting that way because of that situation that we're together with right now at that moment. Now, if you have history with that person, that's a whole different story. That person is, I'm talking about new people, new relationships, because old relationships, you know, I know you can't, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Even that has context. Some people want to change and are never allowed to change. If you're coming across a person that's done you dirty in the past and they've genuinely changed, let them. Let them be. Let them change. Let them be who they are. And it's okay. I'm not saying you should let them hurt you. Don't be anybody's doormat. I'm not going to be anybody's doormat. I'm sorry. I'm just not doing that. But I'm not going to any longer carry my past anger, my past negative relationship and i take past negative interaction with that person or anyone else into my new relationships because i wind up hurting the new people it's not fair to carry that baggage we're, we're leaving that baggage in the last decade we're not bringing any of that other nasty stuff with us that we can some of this stuff is going to take time to let this stuff go but you've got to give yourself a break we've been hurt yes the lord is healing that. let it go we need to cast those cares of those hurts, those pains of those breakages, those, those, those cuts that we got from people who cut us deep, who were the closest to us, put that put that knife in our rib and our back or wherever they put it. Let that go. It, we, I understand those of you who've had surgery understand that sometimes that the flesh that's deeper below the skin takes longer to heal it just does that soft tissue underneath it may be covered up. the skin may be all nice and pretty on the outside but the but the fleshy parts the muscles take longer to heal if you've lost a limb i understand that there's also ghost pains that for for limbs that are no longer there you, you feel like it tingling you feel like it hurt when there's really nothing there We have to be able to retrain our mind to think differently about pain, think differently about people, think differently about joy, think differently about pleasure, think differently about the things of God, think differently about our days that are to come, not so much and think, I should say, even even to think differently about the days that have passed. After this break, we're going to spend some more time, we're going to give some tools to deal with giving ourselves some break. We're going to focus on grace and how we how grace should abound, how, how we should give grace to not only ourselves, but to other people. But we've got, it starts with ourselves, forgiving ourselves for the things and the shortcomings that we've done and, and been a part of. So right after this break, we're going to speak a lot about the tools for dealing with uh, giving ourselves the break in grace in 2020, helping us with that vision for the Lord for the new decade. Who you hire as your realtor matters. You need a realtor who looks out for your best interests and not their own. Marie Clark with Allison James Estates is a full-time realtor specializing in helping first-time homebuyers in Temecula and the surrounding areas. She is also a ministry leader. Today, why don't you choose Marie Clark to buy or sell your next home? Please call 951-265-265. Six two five nine. This is Craig Carlisle, the host of The Raising Men Show, and I'm also an executive producer of the independent feature film, Restored Me. It's a powerful, feel-good dramedy that centers around a young man trying to restore his relationship with his young daughter and her mother after his wrongful incarceration. This film speaks to restoring your faith and pushes a bold message of positivity and motivation. The cast includes Gary Owen, Bill Duke, Will Young, Lee, Matt Gerald, Richard T. Jones, Malik Yoba, Yancy Arias, and Bo Casper Smart, just to name a few. Restore Me is available on over 100 digital markets, including iTunes, Amazon, and on demand from your local cable provider. Buy it, rent it. Either way, I'm asking you to watch it. It'll bless your life. And we're back to the Raising Men Show in our final segment. You know what? This is actually the final segment of the year, final segment of the decade. Man, you, you, just the impact and magnitude of what that feels like and sounds like to realize that then, you're actually listening to the Raising Men Show right here on WKBY 1080 AM out of Chatham, Virginia and on the RaisingMenShow.com. The last show that you you may end up listening to for the entire year. Now, if you're listening to the archive pages, okay, fine, then you can listen to some of the past episodes. But if you're listening to this actually real time right now on the station, you're driving in your car or you're listening to the stream, wherever you may be, this may be the last time you hear this show and you really think about for the decade. That's pretty this is a pretty awesome thing to really think about. And that really puts a lot of things into perspective. Because in the last segments you know, of our show, I really like to make sure that we give some tools out when I'm teaching and sharing on a topic like this. And this Truth and Transparency series, you know, week five, give me a break. I wanted to make sure we really give some tools. And I've only got a couple of key points this week to really, really share that really drive this point home, at least for myself. One of the things that helped me out a lot is we got to look back. I got to look back. We should take an assessment and be thankful looking back over our lives. and God has brought us from a long, 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 long way. When I was, I don't want to say, I can't say growing up, but when my wife first died, I just really felt so much like a coach. I wanted to give my kids the, the pep talk, give my sons that, you know, we could do it, you know, that the greatest speech they ever kind of heard. And I wanted to make sure that they were able to look back and say, you know, I remember when mom died, you know, dad really said this or that or the other and really kind of made us want to go on voluntarily, it made us want to keep pushing, made us want to keep going. But I don't, I'm not really sure that that speech was really <laughs> accomplishing what I wanted it to and I just remember it when I told them we're going to get up every day and we're going to wash and we're going to brush our teeth and we're going to keep going. But what I found what that did for me is that it brought me to a place where I was afraid to look back. I let, I allowed the enemy to come into to my mind and I allowed him to cause me to agree with him that I shouldn't look back because I didn't want to wind up like Lot's wife. I didn't want to wind up stuck in my past. I didn't want to wind up longing for something that I couldn't have and I know going through the grief stages and it's it's a stages it's cycled it's it takes time and there's no there is a wrong way to grieve and again this is not a grieving message it's not a grieving show we don't we deal with certain aspects of grief as I've been dealing with it myself and becoming better into in terms of what the lord wants me to be and become but I had to Come, I had to break that agreement with the enemy, because I, I, for Lot's wife, they were coming out of Sodom and Gomorrah, and the two angels that looked like men had come to the city and under God's instruction to destroy the city, because. And then, and then Lot tried to to bargain with them. So look, at Lord, if you can't, if you can only find this many people, that many men, this many men that loved you, and finally it got to just this one number that the Lord was okay. If you if you can find this number, then I'll won't destroy the city I'll save the city when it came down to it the, the, the Lot and his family had to leave they had to flee they had to do the Lord command you had to get out of the way you had to go to some other place because the Lord was allowing them to be spared while he destroyed those two cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and so what I was afraid to do is because along the way they were, their instructions they were given was that they were to leave and not look back and at some point along the way, during that story, we don't know if it's in the hillsides or you know exactly where or how far from the city they got, but Lot's wife, and, and Lot's wife wasn't even named. Her name wasn't given in anywhere in the record that I've found in scripture, but she looked back at the city, at the place where she had just come from, at the place where she was fleeing where she used to live. And in fact, I don't know from my select studies, I don't know how long that Lot and his family lived in that city. I don't know if if Lot's wife even had lived in either one of those cities even longer than he had, but for whatever reason, she was drawn. Something caught her attention. She, She took her eyes off of God and his plan and moving forward, and she turned back, and she was turned into a pillar of salt, and she was stuck there. And some accounts say that her body is still there, even to this day, as a pillar over where Sodom and Gomorrah used to reside, looking over this salty riverbed. Or it's a dry bed now. I didn't want that for myself. I didn't want that for my family. So I was afraid that that was what was going to be our lot if I turned. And there's no end in the world that I wanted to be stuck where we were. There was nothing for us in those days. There was nothing back there that was any good for us then. I didn't want anything to do with that past. I needed to be out of that. But here recently, doing a lot of searching about myself and looking and listening to God, I realized that that's not what the context of the scripture was telling, was applying to me, it wasn't applying to us. Because it is to is good to look back over your life and see where the Lord has brought you, because you need to understand. We need to understand. All of us need to understand where the Lord has brought us from. I know shortly after my wife had died, the Lord gave me, gave me the scripture that I was living off of and breathing off of and eating off of Romans eight twenty eight, And it applies here to the, to the looking back. Romans eight twenty eight in the Passion Translation, it says, so we are content that every detail in our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are His lovers, who we've been called to fulfill His designed purpose. That for me gives me life, so I can look back over my life, and I I can see the losses that we've had. I can I can see the hurt and the pain that we've had. I can I can see the things that were taken from us in our past. And I definitely don't look back there longingly, but I can, from this scripture, I can look back and go, yeah, the loss of my wife allowed me to, to start a ministry to help men and help others to find hope. The loss of my wife, the loss of family and houses and things and possessions and relationships has helped my family be, to grow and have to have less dependency upon people, places and things and have total dependence upon God for everything. The loss of... All those things in our past have allowed us to stand, allowed me to stand strong as a man and to know that God is my rock. God is my all-sufficient one. God is my, my ruler and protector. God is my friend. God is the, my banner that's over our family. And it could go. I could go on and on of what I've learned of what God is. But one key thing that stands out that would never have happened well, I can't say it would have never happened because it, it didn't happen while I was married. I wasn't on radio. then. I wasn't doing these kinds of things. So yeah, yeah, we were teaching then, but has she not died? I don't. Her death has spawned a change in my life that allowed me to be here at this moment with you. So yeah. we have to look back. The second point is we've got to be honest and truthful with ourselves and with God. Yeah yeah okay God already knows what we're thinking and what we're doing but we've got to speak it out because when we speak those things out it disarms the enemy and creates a greater intimacy with God so that there's not anything or any strongholds that the enemy has in our lives that has over us when we're saying oh you're hiding this from God or you feel some kind of way you don't want to admit it huh you don't you don't want to tell the truth but if you speak it out and let the Lord know hey this is the way I feel it disarms the enemy, takes everything he can have against you, but there's a catch here. we got to watch your mouth. And I don't say it, that, I, I say it with fervor, yes, and I say it with attitude, yes, but I say it with from a truthful heart and, and that you've got to understand that since we're made in God's image, made by God, we our words have power. So they speak things in the spiritual realm contractually. So if I were to say, tell God in, in, in my outcry or in my lament or my just my ranting and raving, God, I'm afraid. I, God, I am this. It's the I am that sets that contract in motion. So even just using the analogy, I'll cancel the words that I am anything negative. In our speaking intimately with God, if you think you have a condition that is negative, yes, search the words and say, Lord, I I have some concerns about where I'm at in my life. or I have some fear right now about this in my situation. Because if you have something, it's something that you're carrying, it's a temporary condition, you could put that down, you can cast that care upon Him, upon God, because He cares for us. Saying the I am, it's a condition, it's a permanent condition that you're creating and saying, I am this, I am that. And it will build a contract. It will build a statement. It will build a position in your mind. It will build pathways in your mind. It will build a belief system that you believe in the negative, that you are that thing and you create that that for your life, creating that for yourself. And you don't want to create anything negative. No pillars or walls or strongholds in your life that you have to now go and Live through, live around until you speak again against those things and tear them down. The scripture here that I believe is so powerful that backs up the, backs that thought up is Proverbs 18 and 21. The King James Version here says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat of the fruit thereof. I was always thinking, okay, fine, you know, power of the tongue, you know, life and death, and I, those that love it, well, love what? Love that power? I didn't know what love was until like just right now. And those that love it, the power, of love their tongue, love the power of the tongue. So eat of the fruit thereof. So yeah, you got to eat of the fruit because you don't have any choice. Everything you say, you you live out the circumstance. You live out the outcome. You live out the aftermath, good or bad. I like the way that the Passion Translation really adds a little bit more color and flower to this one, makes it rise, gives it some, some new perspective for me. Same verse, Proverbs 18.21 from the Passion Translation says, Your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life, and the talkative person will reap the consequences. You know, some of us, we talk too much. We just run our mouths just to hear ourselves speak and out of a nervousness and just don't know what else to say. We just keep talking and talking and talking and rambling, saying the same thing over and over and over. When you really look back over some of the times we've said so many different things and rambled on about how negative we are or how we are a certain thing or or another, ugly, overweight, fat, short, stubby, ugly, any, t- any negative adjective we may have cursed ourselves with, those are strongholds. Those are contracts that we need to go back in and cancel because our words have power over us, over our minds, over situations, over principalities. They have, they have power over those things that they're spoken against and you don't want to speak God's power against yourself. We need to make sure we're clear on that. Because going, this is the end of a decade, we are now hours before the changing of the time, changing of the guard, changing of an old decade to the new decade, twenty twenty. Can you? Even, I, I know some of us didn't even think that we would make it this far, by faith or not. I don't know if, if how many of us believed by faith that they would. We, we see the turning of twenty twenty, the end of a decade like this. I could tell you one. I don't want any i don 't want any part of the negative side of the decade I just came out of that decade was all kinds of crazy, all kinds of crazy. I want the new I need the clarity from twenty twenty for the next decade. I need that twenty twenty clarity and i and I pray the same for you that you would want to have that twenty twenty clarity because when you go get your eyes checked. <clears throat> at the optometrist and the eye doctor, they say if you got 20, 20 vision, that means you, it's perfect. That means everything is in focus. That means what you see at 20 feet clearly, and you can read it at 20 feet or see the details on it, is the exact same as that it should be at 20 feet read by a, a device or a computer or something else that's medically authenticates that that is what it is and what it says, it says with that exact detail at that same 20 foot position. I need to have that kind of clarity for my family. So, we wait expectantly. And ex- and I went and did, uh, the Lord led me to, the, I have a book that talks about prophetic symbols and the number 20 means expectancy or waiting. So, when went in, I was like, okay, so I had to look at the word expectancy and expectancy is a noun, it's a state of thinking or hoping that something is, especially something pleasant will happen or be the case. They, they waited uh, with an air of expectancy. And they say that even the word expectancy uh, was had its origins in the early 17th century from the Latin word expectonia. Now, okay, so from the Greek and Hebrew, expectancy and waiting work, we used Isaiah 40, 31 in, uh, in past shows where it says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And they shall mount upon wings as eagles, and they shall run and not grow weary, and they shall walk and not be not faint. The wait here upon the Lord, the waiting here is to wait expectantly, to to have an expectation that there that the Lord was coming, an expectation that good was coming, and and we not if you're waiting in here on Isaiah 40, 31, and I know some people say, well, it's Old Testament, so it doesn't apply to the new dispensation. It doesn't apply to the new. New Century Church and the New Testament Church, but it does apply because God's word is always living and breathing for our lives. And that word at Raymond work can always be applied to what your situation is. So Isaiah forty thirty one here, but, but they that wait, Expectantly upon the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall have they shall mount up on eagles. which means they'll have to take flight. That means they will be able to go to where the Lord would have them to go, because an eagle flies high. That doesn't give an analogy there of any other bird. It doesn't say pigeon or or buzzard or uh, dove or raven. This is an eagle this is a majestic bird that flies high The bird is also a predator it, it eats meat it the solid word of God it digesting it can see far its clarity in its vision or to say its clarity in its vision is supreme Eagles can see for miles off the great detail a small rabbit moving in the bushes and they're able to navigate quickly and dive and get to exactly their prey get right back up into the air and Ride upon that air in the sky for long, long, long miles and times. We need to wait expectantly, expecting God to move on your behalf. I know I'm expecting God to move on my behalf. So much so that I know the Lord gave me a revelation of what 2020 and the next decade. So it's for my family. This this is my family's declaration for the decade. And I encourage all of you to do your declaration for the decade uh, as well. But my declaration for my family for this decade is that 2020 and beyond has to be clarity for me and my family. We need to remember that we're in the light outside of the tunnel, not just seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. I encourage you all to continue to know that the Lord is with you. The Lord loves you, the Lord has so much for you, and then we need to live a truth and transparency, and we need to understand that we need to give ourselves a break and then break the strongholds off of us, give us some grace to allow us to be where the Lord wants us to be in his name and, and for him at all points in our lives. You're listening to The Raising Men Show, and I'm your host. I've been your host for the rest of the decade. And Lord willing, he'll give me a decade or two or three or four and beyond of good strength. So I bless myself and all of you with strength, peace, prosperity, provision, wisdom, knowledge, and grace and understanding in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Appreciate all of you for listening to The Raising Men Show right here on WKBY 1080 AM when we air here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. That's also at 10 p.m. Eastern and 7 p.m. Central. Again, right here on WKBY 1080 AM. And we're also on TheRaisingMenshow.com and all of the affiliates. We are on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are heard. See you all again next year.